Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 145 of Dismembering Horror. The podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. Yeah! That's right. We dismember a horror film every week. Every week we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a, you guessed it, horror film. Today we flew our wings back to 1982 and witnessed the entity. I've got an entity inside of me right now. Yeah? What does that mean? Uh, It's in the form of a breakfast burrito. And it is weighing heavily on me. <laughs> Should we uh, exercise it for you? <laughs> well, I tried earlier. Great. Uh, <laughs> Gross. <laughs> the Entity 1982, directed by Sidney J. Fury. Screenplay by Frank De Felitta. Based on The Entity by Frank. Good Frank. Book, which was then all, that book was based on the real-life case, the Doris uh, Bither case, which uh, is an alleged haunting that occurred in 1974 in Culver City, California. I was just there shooting a horror film. And that actually brings me to my next question, Tim, to catch up. You were indeed shooting a horror film this weekend, which is applicable in that it is horror. I'd love to know uh, how it went, and if you had any takeaways from it you could share with us. Um, yeah, my, my, it went fine. It went great. Um, when I say fine, that means that catastrophes didn't happen. So that's actually, you know, high, high praise, high, uh, outcome. So that's good. We got everything we wanted to get. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. There was, you know, there's little hiccups here and there, like any production, but they were pretty like nominal. Um, like we got our camera. We, you know, we rented the camera, we show up on set and the DP pulls it out and he's like putting it together and he's like, um, none of these batteries are charged and we're supposed to shoot in like an hour. So we had to delay the whole thing by like two hours to just get some charge into one of the batteries. Well, aside from charging you batteries, imagine? real. But maybe it was a ghost. You're maybe right. a ghost drained it. They're known to do that. They Any, do it in this movie. Any other uh, takeaways, though? Um, um, don't shoot inside of a car. It's it's so hard. Like we we had a like choreographed like fight in the front seat of the car. And there's just not enough space. Like, I think the only way you can do it really, really effectively is you have to have a car where you can, like, remove the windshield or remove, like, the doors or parts of it. Because it was so difficult to try and get in the spaces that we wanted to get. And, you know, we had to make a bunch of adjustments to what our original, like, concept was just from, like, the angles and stuff. We had to be like, well, that's not going to work. So we got to figure out how to get what we want from somewhere else in this car. 
and we managed it and I think it's all fine, but it, it's really challenging to, to shoot in such a small space, even yes. with the like accommodations we made to knowing that we were going to be doing that. It was really a challenge, but it was fun. Car filming. There's a really fun death. Cool. It's uh, the first time I've done full on like um, practical uh, like blood gore effects. And it, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> great. <laughs> it gives that feel. We're here. We're doing it. Yeah. We're making exactly. it happen. It was great. Boys with toys. Yep. Excellent. Great. Good to hear. All right. Well, to continue on with our episode here the, on the entity, we like to start with a trailer. Would you like to start with our trailer, Tim? Boy, would I. Great. Anything else we need to set up as far as what the show is? I don't think so. Great. I mean, if you don't know by now, <laughs> go listen to some older episodes. If you're just tuning in, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, sometimes we like to to give a further rant on what this is all we're doing here. But today, let's just let's just keep on going. Yeah. With our trailer. So here we go from 82, The Entity. Hey, wake up. Wake up, everybody. It's a gorgeous day. Gorgeous day. Come here. 20th Century Fox presents the story of Carla Moran. The most extraordinary case in the history of psychic research. Everything broke loose and went crazy, and everything was shaking. The bed was shaking, and the walls were shaking. And like a, like an earthquake. No, it wasn't like an earthquake. It was much stronger than any earthquake. Oh wait a minute! I, I, honey, I don't really understand this. I, you were attacked. Come here, come here. Or, or you weren't. It happened. I was raped. You were raped by whom? I don't know. There was no one there. A team of experts will investigate her life. Why does he attack you, Carla? Not anyone else. Why is she going to such lengths to support this delusion? And they will find more than evidence. They will find... The Entity. Good title. Before all the the titles were already staked. <laughs> right. The oh, ghost. <laughs> the ghost. Is the, I don't actually know if there is a the ghost. <laughs> There's ghost. Yep. There's the haunting. And there is the entity. So, Tim, I'd love to know per rating system, would you tell yourself to avoid stream or rent or buy the entity? You know, I think I'm just going to say stream. Because I guess, like, Barbara Hershey is great. Um, but the movie, the movie never really arrives at, I think, like, the promise of the premise for me. Um... I feel like the first half is just the same scene over and over again. And then the second half doesn't, it doesn't wrap. It doesn't come to a, a, a like a, not a catharsis, but it doesn't have sort of a great effective ending, I guess for me, I just kind of was like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe this is, you know, this is always a dangerous trap to fall into when you're trying to do something that's, you know that actually happened 
Um, and like how much can you, like how many liberties can you take with, with a true quote unquote true story? Um, but ultimately I left it kind of being like, okay, cool. (laughs) Barbara Hershey was, she's, she's a good actress. The end. Yeah. Just a stream for me. Got it. It's funny. I feel like I agree with everything you said up to the ending I thought as a set piece that that house recreation thing that they did like worked like it felt like one of those things that shouldn't work but it really did somehow. I, I like the attempt. Yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> it something clicked for me in there where it felt like yeah, I agree. The whole movie felt like we were never really getting there or clicking, but something with that end set piece, it just I don't know. It felt like this is unique. Haven't seen this exactly before. It was cool. Yeah. Um. So for all that, and I think Barbara Hershey is great. I'm a big fan. That elevates it to a rent for me. Okay. And it's just like, you know, it's early 80s, 70s-esque. You just can't make them like that anymore, even if you tried. So always points for that in my book of just, um, that's going to make me enjoy it more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kept wondering, like, how have I not seen this? But I think, and, I, and maybe I said this on last episode when we pulled it, like, I definitely have seen the box, you know, like, yeah. in the video store, that, like, in the trailer, the final title, like, the the design of that title, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked at that box, you know, a couple hundred times when I was in Video Barn in, mm-hmm. like, the, you know, the early 90s or late 80s, I guess, probably, too. Um, but just never picked it up. And maybe, maybe it's because, I don't know, I, I, I'd i actually like to see what the box says, like, on the back of it that would have gotten me to be like, nah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it may not even been a nah, you just don't get around to it or whatever. That's true. That's true. I think maybe, you know, also, like, because cause it seems like it would be one I would I would gravitate towards just based on the title. Yeah. Would be like, ooh, cool, like scary monster movie. Well, to tie it all back, this is one of the reasons we have this show is for us to fill That's in right. yeah. our holes, so to speak. Yep. Um, <laughs> I just... Nah, well, we'll get into it. I was going to complain. <laughs> well, we have a whole section for that. <laughs> That's right. But before we get to that, we have a section for the opposite of complaining. So, uh, but, but, and before that, <laughs> we have <laughs> to summarize it. That's right. Let's summarize it. Um, Barbara Hershey got a few kids. Carla Moran. Um, I mean, it's, man, it's just kind of brutal. She is raped by an uh, unseen entity. And then that happens again, and then again, and then again, and then again. And like every time it happens, like one more or two more people are like sort of there to be like, whoa, what what's happening? Yes. So, so it escalates throughout. The the. Th- that, how you describe it, is the kind of, yeah, where it feels repetitive. But I feel like the the thrust of it is sort of, actually a good way to put it, and this is a what works, not to get ahead, but the box art, how you described it, mm-hmm. like 
that gets at the heart of what the isness of the movie is pretty well, where it's both supernatural with the glowing white and then has this metallic underneath to it. It's sort of... (laughs) That scared the shit out of me just now. (laughs) That's not a sound I was prepared to hear. (laughs) And because I have a headphone in one ear, it was like, I thought that like... I thought like the world was crumbling just now. It was not. The door was op- My cat was opening my creaky door. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's, oh my God. It's like when the, the dummy laughed in the end credits of the Goosebumps movie <laughs> and that scared right. me. Um, anyway, you're saying. Yeah, sorry. no, what I was getting at how the, the key art, the title art for that, this is pretty emblematic, uh, emblematic of what this movie is, where it's the intersection between like, even more so Poltergeist and Exorcist, they kind of get into it. But even more so, this is all about the sort of uh, uh, modern science meets unexplained science and mm-hmm. using the method to approach it all. Right. So a lot of like men in lab coats, as we mentioned, it has a culmination into like a, a lab set, like a, a studied mm-hmm. in lab environment. Yeah, like at a university. Yeah, all that. So... That that's what's I don't know. That's what makes this movie unique for me. It's cool and um, oh, and I guess yeah. As far as <laughs> as far as in the, the sense of the summary, though, that's sort of uh, that that's the thrust that's going on. Where it's like she's she's going through all that, reaching out for help from different doctors. Then they're talking to each other. Then she starts to doubt them. Then she reaches out to different types of doctors. So right, that's sort of what's happening as far as it not being literally just the same scene. Yeah. Well, and, and I think again, because it's based on some factual stuff, you kind of have two movies almost. The first movie is the actual like haunting. And the second movie is the research into the haunting. Yes. And it, it's pretty like, it's right down the middle. Like I I paused it like, and was like, are we, where are we? And I was like exactly halfway through. And she's like meeting the, the, um, parapsychologist people for the first time. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, here we go. (laughs) Exactly. See, just like the title I said, down the middle, Mm -hmm. the art has both sides. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, uh, they defeat it, but not is the ending. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I guess, largely a story about um, men not believing women. Yeah, for sure. Good uh, parable for all that. Yep. Very much so. All right. Well, should we dig into what worked then? Don't you think it's sort of fascinating that, like, this movie was made in 82 based on a story from whatever it was, uh, 70, or, well, the case was 74, and um, we're still having this conversation about people believing women or not believing women. Yes. It's only 40 years, 42, 45 years ago. It's not that long at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> well, but. Change know, does happen quickly all when it of, happens. Yeah. All sorts of other things in the world have changed drastically and, and some fundamental things have not. Right. Well. I mean, we'll get into this all, but change in the face of, uh, in this case, the paranormal mm-hmm. is, I think, uh, mm-hmm. 
uh, well, that's a, a very big wall to overcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure is. That way. Yeah. Uh, great. All right. I set it up. Here we go. Next section. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. I'll tell you what's working for Sixto over here. (laughs) His little cat food. Chow down. (laughs) Oh, to be a cat. (laughs) He's into it. Full full face in the bowl. Wait, was there a cat in this movie? Um... Did she? Did they have pets? No. Okay. I don't think so. Anyways, Sixto has like an interesting like when you look straight on, he's got like a weirdly human face. I know. That's creepy. <laughs> I've got some uh, Ted's <laughs> pictures of him. He's extremely emotive, <laughs> and he makes eye contact with you. Yeah. So, which cats don't do all too frequently. <laughs> just looking at, just just glanced at him peering into your soul. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> uh, an well, entity lays inside. Indeed. What what uh what was working for you in this one, Ryan? Well, to get the big ones out of the way, Barbara Hershey, man. Yeah, she's really good. I uh, <laughs> I need to follow it up after our Roman Polanski episode. Now I'm going to mention uh, my favorite Woody Allen movie as Hannah and her sisters. That's mainly how I know Barbara Hershey. Oh, okay. She's so good in that. And recently in um. Uh, Black Swan more recently. Oh, that's right. She's the yeah. mom in that. Yeah. It was really good. So big fan of hers. And she, I mean, what a what a role to carry, you know? <laughs> like Just, I kept thinking, you know, there's I maybe not in terms of actual um like one to one parallels, but I, you know, because of the era, because of the, that it's paranormal, you know, I was drawing some sort of um some connections to to poltergeist and and just the thing that stood out to me about Barbara Hershey that also stands out about Joe Beth Williams in Poltergeist is just like the utter commitment to this like scenario like mm-hmm. the circumstances that are being presented in this story both of them just they completely are in and like selling it the shit out of it and i i really appreciate that cuz i think at the time, you know, this is true for Ellen Burstyn uh, in The Exorcist as well. They're just, it's just full force taking it seriously as an actor and like crushing it. I think a quote I heard from all of them definitely recently, um, Barbara Hershey on this, they'll say, we weren't, I wasn't treating it like a horror movie. But I wonder if what that actually means is I wasn't treating it like a movie, which then is just, I don't know. It's its a weird thing to kind of break down, maybe, mm-hmm. but it just sort of gets at what the tone of the movie is in the end. If it needs any sense of realism, you're just creating the reality. Yeah. And uh, to, to, to create this reality, we mentioned what it's about in the summary. It's, it's a lot she goes through. And physically, too, it's... Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, to get in some specifics of her performance, like that, 
and it, it also gets into some some good things about how it's shot. But to really only do her attack scenes in close up, where it helps to sell her like like when her arms getting pulled mm-hmm. above her head, or when she gets whipped around or whatever. I mean, it's just that perfect combination of dedication on her part and. Um, I guess uh, the whatever else they're doing to sell the effect. Yeah, I mean, just the visceral nature of it. I guess they they definitely got that across. Yeah. I mean, it's on un, it's unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not beat around the bush. Like it's hard to watch, yeah. especially the. Uh, I think it was. Is it the second time when she's in the bathtub? Like that one is particularly like intense and graph it's not graphic like they're in the it's not like they're showing i don't know they can't show (laughs) to an extent right right but like the the suggestion of what's happening well what's literally happening i guess it's all kind of wrapped up in in the same stuff like seeing her legs invisibly like pulled apart is just like immediately uh, extremely unsettling or (laughs) upsetting or both all of the above and yeah, I mean, it's effective. I'll, I'll give it that. It's yeah. extremely effective. The first one I thought was had sort of a, a vagueness to it of what was going on. And I didn't, it, it didn't jump out at me, oh, that she had been raped. Like specifically, that was her experience in the first instance of this. And then she goes to the doctor and like says that explicitly. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the, that, that bathroom one is just full go yeah. like being assaulted and raped and, and it's it's really gnarly yeah like really really hard to watch even though you you know you mentioned it was repetitive in a sense i thought they did a pretty good job at the same time of sort of escalating them in a smaller way where yeah like she changes like let's say you know you summed up those two but then i think the next one is when she changes locations and stays at her friend's place so like you know, change of location, that's something. But then yeah. the way it starts, like that gave me a jolt is she's just sitting there and it just comes on full force with this, just everything in the room just slams and she right. gets thrown and it's super loud. The windows start bursting yep. apart. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is super intense. I mean, and then there's the one with the kids are just in the room when it's happening, mm-hmm. which is extraordinarily upsetting. Yeah. Uh, and the sun gets weird electric sort of sparkles uh, uh, around him. Right. Light, lightning comes out of his hands, kind of. It's pretty cool and, <laughs> and intense. Um, yeah, all, I mean, look, all of those instances, I think, from a content point of view, play really well and are effective. Um, I have uh, There are other things that I think don't work about each of those, but whatever, in their essence, I think they're all pretty pretty well done. And just on the attacks themselves, too, you know, kind of already alluded to it, but the intensity mm-hmm. and the violence that's on display, the way she's getting thrown around, it's just like you sense the presence of there's just a, a, like a strong man, very large, yeah. strong man doing this, which... Is it's it's intense, and they yeah. to get that across from like some it's invisible, yet you still get all that character and malice from it. It was, it was very effective. Yeah. Um, 
What else? You know what I noticed about this? Maybe I started to stop noticing it or it stopped happening probably in the second half. But the first half of the movie, and I, I like this. Maybe it does it a little too much, but generally I like it. The vast majority of shots in the first half of the movie are canted. Yep. I mean, like, almost every single shot is is not uh, balanced, right? It's, they really go all out. It's pretty wild. <laughs> and I just appreciate that. I'm like, if you're going to do it, like, and you're going to try and really make the audience feel uncomfortable, that's, that's, <laughs> it's going to work. Like, that mission accomplished for at least the first half. I thought of you with that, just thinking you were noting it and enjoying it, oh, the yeah. canted angles. My favorite that I remembered were when, because the, the house is on a slight hill of a street. Mm-hmm. And so they, they balanced the the shot so it was going is it the word be perpendicular with the sidewalk mm-hmm. therefore leaving the house at an angle a <laughs> right, slight right. angle yeah that's cool that was neat and then i really liked another one where it was a uh, doctor phil snyderman mm-hmm. or one of their first scenes where she and we are kind of sussing him out <laughs> and uh the way they can't, the angle is he's real. It makes it really feel like he's lording over her yeah. or, you know, sort of a bit of subtle mistrust or questioning mistrust is just put in there from the candid angle and yep. uh, puts us in her experience. Well, I thought, yeah, they do some cool stuff in that, in that interview slash whatever it would be. Slight interrogation. Yeah. It, 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 the, if I remember right, the blinds in that room, it's a very almost unnatural feeling setting, uh, the way it's designed. Like, you've got this kind of clearly um, manufactured light coming through the window, and and I'm pretty sure it's vertical blinds. But the camera is all in sort of triangle angles to the room so it's not you're not locked off looking straight at a wall mm-hmm. right you're at you're at these angles which creates these this weird very unsettling sort of like borderline funhouse feel mm-hmm. um and i just appreciate this that sort of use of like linear contrast and and lighting just to to sell how she's feeling throughout it's 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 good i mean I don't know, you know, give credit where credit's due, if it's how much of that is the DP and how much is the director or just the team coming up with the stuff they need to come up with. But, like, I I did quite appreciate all of that. Yeah. I liked the, uh, well, I mean, I guess, like, I already mentioned the summary. We have what's going on with the doctors and... Uh, and overall, the people in her circle believing her mm-hmm. and to what extent. So I thought this did a really good job of balancing all that where it wasn't, it didn't go so hard on like no one believed her, like her her kids kept missing it or her friend kept missing it. It was just so frustrating and builds in, which, you know, is effective in its own right as an angle. But for this level of realism it was going for, I thought it uh, struck a good balance. Like I liked, yeah, when the kids, you know, they they fully witness it. I liked when uh, she gets attacked at the uh, friend's house 
and we don't like the husband. You know, he's all yeah, like, he sucks. Uh, this this your friend, crazy friend of yours, staying there. But it's cool that they hear the commotion just as they're leaving, as they leave her behind. And it's like they get in just in time to see like one of the final windows blowing out. And so, of course, her friend is like, oh, my God, are you OK? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't like I, I didn't fully believe you. Yeah, exactly. And then the, but the fucking husband, of course, is like, <laughs> look at the, what did she do? She tore the place I, apart. Oh, and man. It's, she then the, the the wife yells at him for us. It's like, are you kidding? Like, how would she do this right now? Like, you think she just blew out all of the windows, like with the glass coming inside? What? <laughs> and he literally just saw it too. Like, right. That stuff. I mean, it's good. It's depicting a thing that is infuriating. Well, right. So exactly that. I, <laughs> that that encapsulates what I'm talking about: the balance of her friend. Great, I saw it. We get that satisfaction. Thank God someone else saw it. <laughs> but then equally the frustration of her husband. Just be like, it doesn't matter. He just saw it. He's yeah. still just going to say the thing that reduces it to something he can accept. Yeah, and, and this, you know, this carries through the movie, this sort of, I don't know, what would you call it? It's sort of, I guess it's a, a, a thesis almost that, you know, this idea that there are mostly the men in the in the film are skeptical but in the realm of disbelief and like oh well it can be explained away based on what we know right and that falls apart and you know i i really appreciate that i think that's important to sort of it's an important thing to explore because at its core science is not should not have certitude over anything right like that's the that's kind of the the basic gist of science in its in its essence right it's a process not a definable that's right yeah and yet humans and i guess patriarchal you know societal men by by you know extension they they want to say oh well now we know we've we've done this and now we've come to a conclusion and therefore it must be this and it's like that's so flawed even though it's it's like it's starting from the the right place of like, oh, hey, we've collected a bunch of data and we can make some pretty strong conclusions. But like in this, they really lean in on the doctors being like having this certain attitude right. about what's going on. And she's like, you guys aren't really hearing me, are you? Like, like, yes, I've had a messed up life and I've suffered a bunch of things. And like, I get where you're coming from. But like, this is going way beyond that I like thought, i'm getting yeah. thrown around a room right Ex- like ex- <laughs> I, I can't do this to myself <laughs> like you can't explain that away with psychosis she can't put the bite marks and exactly. scratch marks on her back the way they are there right yeah. and they're looking at her just going yeah well right well it i think kind of how you said that's wrapped up in a very you know patriarchal way of uh, making assumptions that was done so well in that first scene where she's sitting there in the group of the lab coat doctors, yeah. like at the round table. And it goes from, they're essentially, they they start off by even bringing up the question and assumption as if she might be enjoying it. Like that's the place that they come from. Like right. they have to clarify like, oh, uh, well, oh, and maybe what, you're getting off on this. Right. They, they have to clarify, was this a horrifying experience for you? 
Or do yeah. you enjoy it? And it's just like, that really shows where everything's built on where they're coming from, you know? It reminds me of the scene in, in Aliens when Ripley is, you know, debriefing and, you know, she's talking to the sort of corporate, whatever, pencil pushers. And they just keep, like, towing this line of like, well, you damage, like, corporate property. And she's like, she says the line, I love the line in it that I'm not going to say exactly right, but she's like, did IQs drop suddenly while I've been gone <laughs> yeah. or drastically or something like that? She's like, I've told you this a bunch of times and you just keep saying something different than what I'm just now, right now telling you. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And I think that feeling that I'm, I would assume – you know, because we we get this these stories told a lot, especially from women, that feeling of people just just obtusely not like hearing or listening to what what somebody is is saying, it's just so infuriating. Yeah, you f- you feel it so much. Like, I mean, when you said, I was feeling it here when you said how they that that sense of of certitude where it's like when they say in that scene, I, I think it's when she leaves. Uh, they say, oh, well, if it's, or maybe this is later, once it gets to they have multiple witnesses, mm-hmm. rather than going, oh, it was a, not not hallucination. A shared delusion yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. It yeah. goes from delusion to shared delusion or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like it do you hear yourself? Right, it doesn't matter how <laughs> many people, but, and, but the way they say it, it's not like they say it as, oh, well, this is the most likely thing. They say it as, well, then it is, yeah, this. It's the only the only option is now that it's a shared delusion. It's yeah. like just step back, <laughs> right, for a second. <laughs> I mean, that's why I appreciate the second half of the movie because it really is more so addressing this, and she has allies. Yeah, finally, and uh, as you know, appropriately so, having the lead scientist doctor be a woman speaks to this this theme of you know like the only person who's really gonna get on board with her probably needs to be a woman Mm -hmm. because she can actually like you know she can wade through this bs and and be like yeah i i I hear you i got you which is interesting though because then it gets into some interesting themes of like but that's still under this, yeah. Like what was built as a patriarchal construct. Like yeah. to, to jump ahead to the ending, like I love this. There's so much going on with that. I really love that end set piece. Somehow wasn't too weird for how weird it was. It felt very like <laughs> yeah. like a Cronenberg set piece yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. I really really liked it. But how still then? It's it's like. It's it's like says it all. Something in the metaphor of they rebuild her natural environment in a lab setting. Mm-hmm. They make the natural unnatural in order to, uh, I guess, help cure the problem. Put it in a lab setting. I don't know. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Well, it's like, bait, right? Like they've made her into bait, but in a controlled setting. Yeah. But it's like, but there's like, it's conditioned almost Im- improperly like if they're well they're they're assuming that the entity is is dumb enough to buy it and can be frozen and put into a box right at all i mean like that whole concept is just so 
like it's cool, but it's just so flawed. It's so short-sighted to me. <laughs> well, it seems like the kind of the approach in the nutshell of, I don't know, all, all the all the, the parapsychologists, the psychologists, all the doctors in this movie, it's you keep to study, you just keep, keep putting in boxes, right? Mm, mm-hmm. But like, what is that? Then there's that, that phrase, I forget what it's called, that, that phrase or scientific idea that's like, as soon as you study it by like putting some, you know, putting a microscope, you change something about it. Yeah, inherently. sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that um, blown up a different way. I do like though, I mean, they, in a way they kind of hang a lantern on it. You know, they're like, <laughs> they're like, we did everything we could to recreate, you know, your house, except for this and this and this and this. <laughs> right. And, like we couldn't find the paint for the walls. So the walls are just white. And they're like, but it looks great, right? Does you know? it, like, why even bother? Does the entity, like, is it really going to be confused? <laughs> like <laughs> it thinks it's somewhere else, but the ceiling disappeared and there's right. a giant laser gun floating around. <laughs> Yeah, there's this mechanical like plexiglass cage that just sits in the in the kitchen. Like, yeah. like who are you fooling? <laughs> right. <laughs> make, I, that, it, giant it. tanks of liquid helium above you. Right. Like, right. Also, it was liquid helium. Damn, that's dangerous. Yeah, that was the idea. I was like, what? <laughs> like, she's really putting herself at risk here. Yeah. I mean, I get it. That's the point. But, but just one little thing could go wrong, which it does. And she's, you know, she's, uh, I was going to say burnt to a crisp, but it's the opposite. She's a frozen she's, to a crisp. She's frozen to a cube. Yeah. Well, I loved, I mean, something else with that, the whole, I mean, with the, the helium gun, I love very much. And this is a lot to, um, I don't know, just it's a good uh, extension of the promise of the premise. We have set up this entity, poltergeist, whatever it is, it can, has some sort of, uh, relationship with control with electricity and objects like we know it can move objects right so it just made so it was sort of the natural conclusion but an unexpected one that I just thought was so neat of well yeah well, then why couldn't it take control of this helium gun you know <laughs> as if we, when we sort of go into it we're almost sort of getting caught up with the idea that it is ah no but this is the the scientist's best gear Da 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 da. It's something that's somehow greater than this entity, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets into actually. I hadn't really thought of this specifically, but this whole movie is kind of about hubris, right? Like all of the men and all of the people in positions of power are just totally suffering from this this hubris, 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 <laughs> hubris, H- hubris. That they that they think they've got a lock on it, yeah, one way or the other, and that that kind of is the the most redu- you know reduce. I think maybe I mean far be it for me to speak about a woman's experience, but reducing down the the idea of power dynamic in our culture, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it it really is like forget about even gender. The people who think that they're in power are essentially playing. They're trying to play God, and they're they are. Um, what? How would you even put this? They are um, victims of their own hubris. Yeah, and so you know, of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, uh, encapsulated so well. I thought 
by Ron Silver as Dr. Phil Snyderman. <laughs> Ron. Like, he's... What a beard, right? <laughs> right. Like, just what a beard. He's just like the poster child for what you described, I mm-hmm. feel like. And the his performance, his casting, whatever, whatever, all that adds up to a character, I thought was done so well from his first scene as far as our... How we feel about him. It's always wrestling with this ambivalence. We like him a little more in this scene. Then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we're lost from him again. Um, and then that that carries through to an extent through the whole movie um, and challenges us in a certain way when he's he's the one who's I mean he's he's true, he's he's honorable in his intent to save her at the end. So it yeah. does cross this line where we are sort of hating him at that point for being um totally refusing to be open to anything. Yet then he's also the only one who stops, you know, steps up and wants to save yeah. her. Like we're reminded his uh, intent is true, even if he's been gaslighting her along the way. Well, it's interesting because I was, I was surprised at the nuance that, that they put into his character because in the first, I don't know, three, four interactions that he has with her, He's very, like, measured and polite and genuine. But, like, he asks for permission. Uh, every time he there's a there's a potential for him and, like, to 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 overstep up or not overstep, but to uh, cross a, a boundary. He asks permission really like for for everything. Can I go in here? Is it OK if I ask you this? Is it OK if I do this? And like that's very unusual for the era in particular, but in it's unusual for how men are written in general. Like even now, that's not a thing that you see very much. So it 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 struck me as this kind of interesting dynamic where I think kind of what your what you just said at the beginning, we learn that like a bunch of very important facts about who he who he is at his core which is a a concerned uh, a concerned intelligent polite and well-intentioned doctor by the book doctor yeah right and his flaw ultimately i think is just that he falls into this trap of being like but i'm also like attracted to this person And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like how you deal with being attracted to that person and and it kind of bites him in the ass. Um, But at the end of the day, like he he is kind of just like an all right dude. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But then he gets he's. It's cool. Yeah. Like like how you. What am I trying to say? (laughs) But then but then he's what he represents when he stops helping her is when he stops believing her. Mm -hmm. He's just guilty of being caught up in the thing that refuses to be open to the possibility of alternatives to what they already think. Yeah, in a way, like he's just as much at the mercy of these kind of patriarchal societal norms. And he falls into them and, and we go, oh, bummer dude <laughs> yeah like we thought you were gonna be like the the exception to the rule and Ta- you're uh, just the same talking about patriarchal societal norms and how that's sprinkled throughout the film well oh, i yeah. thought was when her <laughs> i uh, know where you're going 
Do, I, I'd be curious when her boyfriend shows up. Yeah, you do okay, and he oh, keeps. Yeah. He basically like yeah, he's the estranged boyfriend who like you know essentially kind of left her just to be on her own or whatever. He's the we perfect gather. foil to to the doctor, right? Because yeah. the doctor is the, like you said by the book trying to trying to do the right thing at all costs. He's trying. He's not always accomplishing it, but his intention is always to do the right thing. And her boyfriend is like, could not be more the opposite. All the wrong things. He won't commit. He like, he talks about how he wanted to marry her, but he just couldn't make it work. He's always gone. He's definitely sleeping with other people. Like, he's just the worst. And when we see him get, oh, it's so, he's like, He's she she's really not in the mood, so to speak. (laughs) But he's like, here, change into this outfit. And then he just uses this excuse throughout that evening of, oh, but it's my homecoming. Oh, but I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah, exactly. All about him. He like in the bathroom, he sprays that whatever into his mouth. Just (laughs) like total classic, like cringy. And even his his feigned like like outrage when she's like some you know i've been raped he's like "Mm, by who i'm gonna get him and she's like well he's invisible and he's like well i don't understand so (laughs) i'm still mad but i don't believe you right you know it's like oh god you just you're you're just the worst caveman sort of version of this but it's good i mean that's that's appropriate. It yeah. fits in with the 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 themes of the movie. It's just that I love when he, <laughs> I mean, when she, he walks in and she's you know being pinned down and her 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 boob is being squeezed by an invisible force, which I thought was a hilarious like um, just the mechanics of of how they built a <laughs> like a a body for her to, that has some sort of, I don't know how they did it exactly. It's got like little bladders inside of the, the fake boob that are like squeezing from, from the inside. Um, yeah. It's just a funny effect. Cause it's just, I thought on, on the wrong side of camp. Mm. <laughs> um, it's close though. It's almost really good, but I love his expression when he walks in the room and sees this. Cause it is, complete and utter confusion (laughs) right like it just he cannot process it and so satisfying that he was confronted with it that's what i'm saying too like it's not like everyone's missing out on on seeing this it's Uh, also terrifying like can you can you imagine walking in to see your loved one well as much as this douchebag can can love (laughs) anybody but like just you know for the thought exercise of it you walk in and you see your loved one naked, paralyzed, and like looking at you like, <laughs> dude, dude, please help. <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you try to go over to him and you get like thrown across the room. Can you, like, I, I think your brain would just split in half. I mean, and that guy is exactly who I want to see have to deal with this, you know? <laughs> That's right. It's so satisfying Come on, babe. in a way. Uh, Let's and, have some scotch. Then, I mean, that actually keeps up, you know, keep coming back to it with the ending too. I loved how it was Dr. Phil Snyderman and the kind of the senior doctor above him who's mm-hmm. like the uber skeptic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then when he's, you know, sees sees the big ending play out with the entity being frozen and da-da-da, he's just at a total, total loss. It reminds me of like the effect of the... Uh, 
the the boss, the realtor guy at the end of Poltergeist yeah. watching the house collapse. That's right. It's very <laughs> satisfying to watch them to come to terms with it and often just go back to denying it somehow, which he does in this one. Right. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, I think the, the the things that really work on a fundamental level throughout are like, like we said, the performances are all really good. But like from the theme and character, uh, you know, specificity, I guess. Like, or the characters in relation to the themes are really honed in. Yeah. And that's great. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that I think the movie suffers from due to a, a number of factors, whether it be budget or just technology at the time. Um, but, like, those things aside, at its core, the the use of constructing this film from a story point of view and the characters and weaving those into the various themes that it's trying to get across. Good, really good stuff. Yeah. I'd actually kind of like to, I say this all the time, but I, I kind of want to read this, the, the actual book. Mm. Cause it seems like it would be, it's more of a, a like a, an account rather than a novel. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that might be interesting to see it kind of from that point of view. And that's something to mention too, kind of like in Poltergeist, it's so much fun just when the parapsychologists mm-hmm. arrive with all their gear and yeah. they're, they're always quirky characters and uh, just seeing their world. That's uh, a big, a big aspect of this movie. Like you said, the whole second half. So I enjoyed that. That worked for me. That was fun. Some other just little um, side things to mention. I liked... Uh, something that maybe this only does come from when it's inspired by a real event, but the fact that she had multiple kids, she mm-hmm. had like three kids. Yeah, it's just two daughters from one ex and the son from her first husband, right. who, who I think died. But yeah, died when she was like 16. I like that as just a sort of a sense of realism and flavor where it feels like it's so easy just to go, well, we're making a movie here. Why not just combine the kids to be, you know, one or two kids mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever. But it's just to go all out. I don't know. It lends it a, lends it a sense of realism. I like to just, no, we're going to, kids are, you know, a pain to work with and get, but <laughs> yeah. even if their characters aren't too distinguished, nope, that's, that's realistic. It's how it was. We'll be true to that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And then uh, the music in itself, I really liked as like, put it on a, you know, the sound of it, it being definitive of an era. And with that, we could move on to the next section if you <laughs> can yeah, anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, let's. Okay, great. Next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> So, uh, so the music, like I was just <laughs> can we saying, continue on that thought. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I like how when horror movie music, especially, does this when it rides that line of being um, almost like a sound or a noise, where it's just repetitive, don't, 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 bum, bum, or just a couple sounds. I think that's cool. However, in the context <laughs> of okay. this film, yeah. I thought it was totally distracting out of place and is this one of those cases where if you didn't have it in there it would 
be so much more effective. So much more effective. I mean, the first time it happened is jarring, but every consecutive time after that is just annoying. It's it's just super annoying. It's like, dude, I I was feeling a, a whole mood until that chonk, chonk, chonk mm-hmm. sound started up again. Like, get out of here with that. <laughs> Stop it. And we didn't mention it too, like in... It was pretty neat and uh, a decision for sure to have that first attack happen so quickly. It happened yeah. so soon right off the bat. But to have it without the music would have really set the tone and stage. Oh in my way. God, can you imagine? Just yeah. be so much more eerie and effective and upsetting. Uh, similarly, on a aural note, uh, you just with the, those lightning effects and different things. If you just didn't have the weird sound effect that they made, it'd be so much better. Like in uh, Hereditary, there are those strange light effects. They didn't need to make some big obvious mm-hmm. noise. Like it's you, <laughs> it's super eighty. I mean, so, like I love that it's eighties, but it's just not the movie for it. Some sound designer is like, he's like, I got my Casio. I can do all <laughs> these cool sounds, bro. Check it. Mew mew mew. Yeah, this isn't like I've mentioned before, Flash Gordon. You right. Don't. <laughs> it's the sense of realism we're you going know what? for here. I, I'm always going to uh, err on the side of the studio wanted it. You know what I mean? With that kind of stuff in this era, like, I could see a director being like, nah, man, it's cool. Like, it's cool to yeah. not have anything. Or, like, From Beyond is one that we reviewed and loved. I mean, that's the kind of movie where you go yeah. with this <laughs> direction <laughs> yeah, yeah, and exactly. the crazy effects music, blah, 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 blah. But, no, I mean, it's really under my... I mean, Barbara Hershey yeah. doing her thing just to... it's. Ugh. Really undermined it. It was sad. Yeah. Um, I feel like there there were one or two just sort of inconsistencies that threw me for a loop a little bit when watching it, but nothing too major. Like I remember when, um, like the doctor Seidelman, 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 Snyderman, <laughs> he was uh, in their meeting at the hospital. He was insisting like you have to have someone stay with you, and then he ends up taking her home, yada, yada, but then leaves her behind and totally just that train of (laughs) make sure someone's with you is left. I'm like, well, whatever happened to that? I thought it insists someone stays with her, but no, that apparently was forgotten by him slash the movie. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that really stands out and I'm, look, I'm not entirely sure how you do it better, but I think it is critically flawed in a horror movie of this sort of extent like when the 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 context of what's happening especially like you said we start the movie off essentially with the first attack we then have a bunch of scenes where she's putting herself in like calmly putting herself in a a, like alone scenario and like acting pretty casual. And I'm just like, I have a really hard time getting on board with the, the, that that's where her state of mind would be. That she would be like, okay, well, that was really messed up yesterday, but time for a bath. Yeah. It just, I think you can, you can put them in the, you can put them in that environment. 
but you i i think the trick is to have the character still aware of the 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 thing that has happened still like it needs to still kind of be living that they just went through this thing right in, in them. Like, so it's, have, yeah, it's simple stuff too. I think it's a, it's, you know, you just got to just sort of guide the actor to say, but you know, this is still on your mind. Let that inform your behavior in this moment because you, I just don't buy it when I see poltergeist kind of does this too, to be frank. Like, when Joe Beth Williams gets ready for her bath after they've retrieved Carol Ann, she's very like. I get it in that movie though. They are, you know, they think T- that Tangina says this house is clean. Yes. I believe her. Right. So, so actually, that's a good point, right? Like you've got this delineation. But in this movie, you don't. Like it, it starts with the attack. And then, like two scenes later, she's just casually like getting ready for bath time. Yeah. And I, like, you I, know. I, yeah. Have have an introspective moment. Have her look around. Have her have her purposefully keep like think. Normally, I close the door when I take a bath, but that was really messed up. So I'm going to make a point to show the audience that I'm in a state of mind where I need this door to be open, yeah. so that when it closes, which it does, we go, damn. Or she's, she's in trouble. She's telling her kids or she, yeah, yeah. Totally anything. Have yeah. her looking in the mirror as she's getting ready going like, am I going to do this by myself or should I just go to bed? Right. Like you know what I mean? She's hesitant to disrobe or yeah. Something, something, right? Like it just, I think you really, really undercut the character in particular when you have them just sort of carry on like nothing happened. Yeah. So that, it irks me. Um, I also, like, I know, I know she is trying to, like, have agency as the movie carries on and, like, seek out help and, like, be a part of, of figuring this out, but they really shoehorn, like, her, her, what would you call it, almost her sort of passive flightiness she's like i need help but i don't know what i'm doing it's like no man like she i feel like she needs to be more they need to take her more well the filmmakers i think needed to take the character more seriously because barbara hershey is taking it extremely seriously but like would she really like happily agree i mean maybe not happily but like readily agree to this scenario that they put her in with the 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 house the the rebuilt house i think she would be like okay like you need to explain to me how this is gonna be okay (laughs) like she needs to have some skepticism in it i actually she just carries on with it like like almost deer in headlights like okay right that undercuts the character agree yeah that could have been acknowledged a bit more but i think that one bothered me less so and actually circle back a a bit i mentioned uh, Mm. wanted to mention and what worked was her the fact that she goes into these meetings with the doctor basically saying i'm probably crazy what's wrong with me help me you know she's not going in saying a ghost got me and then they're doubting her you know she's it it helps us plug into her trajectory to just sort Mm -hmm. of She's 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 thinking what one should think of it. You know, if 
uh, yeah. everyone's saying she's crazy. She's like, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, but, she's she's uh, rightly so. She's going, I'm just as confused as you are, but you all aren't acting confused. You're acting like you know what's going on. Yeah. Like, and, what the hell? So that's, and that's, you can see then that's her trajectory of w- why she gets so on board with the parapsychologist. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like I, someone is just willing to just <laughs> believe me. So right. you sort of get, that's almost like a, um, uh, almost a, maybe a negative side effect of when you have one side that's so disbelieving, then you all of a sudden get right. too far on the other side. So I think that actually played for me and sort of as far as her being so on board with the parapsychologist mm-hmm. at the end, just so then we sort of ended with that sort of, well, is like one side better than the other right now? You know, when the Siderman's trying to save her and they're trying to shoot her with a helium gun. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Um, from a technical standpoint, I think the structure is hindered the way they did it. Right, like I think you could have, you could have mixed the first half and the second half a little more, like paced out and and a little more effectively. It just, like I said, it's just so split down the middle where the first half is this one series of events and one series of characters, and then it's like now we're moving on to the other group, mm-hmm. and I just think it it hinders, well. If you involve all parties, at least to some degree earlier on, that gives you more room for setting up conflict as you carry through. Whereas this one sort of like, we're all on board with Snyderman. Oh, just kidding. Snyderman kind of shot himself in the foot. Time to be all on board with the parapsychologists. And that's it. Like, it's just too... Mm-hmm. It's too crisp of a of a line to me, like one than the other. I'd much rather see it woven together a, a little bit better. The ending set piece, it was woven that, pretty that's, well. Well, that's my point is that it we end up seeing what it could have been sprinkled through more of the movie. Like, right. Like the effectiveness of, the, of that conflict that happens at the end, we could have been setting that up way earlier and having – so that when that final conflict happens – they're not just sort of like, oh, here, there's that guy we met that one time who was kind of a jerk to us. <laughs> right. That we don't really know, haven't really had any interaction with. They could be like, yo, Snyderman, we've got beef with you. Like, uh, like repeated beef with you throughout <laughs> this movie. You don't get to show up now. Yeah. Like you, I think the trap is that you compartmentalize the characters' interactions, right? Snyderman only interacts with Carla. He has like one passing scene with the parapsychologists, like in the middle. And then we they don't really interact until later. Yeah. Like have everybody intertwined. Have everybody have like a little bit of back and forth throughout so that you can establish these dynamics, like character dynamics. It's like it just makes for more interesting and more, I think, more kind of like grounded in reality feeling storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because like that is how we operate. You know, like you and I know each other. You, I I met you through our friend. Our friend knows people that you know that I've only met like once or twice, vice versa. You know what I mean? It's like there is this web of connectivity. And when you're trying to tell a nice linear story like this one, 
Like, everybody's connected. Mm -hmm. They're all in the same story. Let's interconnect them more. Right. Well, I mean, then that just is all put as the basis of storytelling and points to have different characters representing different parts of a theme. Right. And so let's see them interact. Right. Yeah. And again, I guess I'm kind of beating a dead horse. When it's based on real story, I think oftentimes we storytellers handcuff themselves to the facts of that that story Mm -hmm. and it's like you know you are still just making a film like you're not making a documentary so like take some take some uh (laughs) right what am i trying to say take some creative liberties yeah liberties exactly it's okay you can you can do it nobody's i like if somebody gets their feathers ruffled because you depicted them slightly differently than how it went down. Right. I think we're all going to be okay. I mean, if they can bring themselves to themselves say creative liberties as far as lightning shooting around, <laughs> like, come right. on, guys. Yeah, exactly. So, um, another thing that I found, I don't know if it was not working so much. Well, okay, so what was not working about it is the weird nature of or the depiction of her and her older well her only son the her son's relationship for the first mm, two or three interactions that they had i had no idea what their the their actual relationship was I, it was so completely unclear to me that he was her son yep and that i think that's it that's an oversight <laughs> They needed to define that better. It was uh, from learning about a bit of the production. It was kind of an in-between where there was originally more some kind of um, like intentional Oedipal stuff going on between them. Mm. Who knows why? But <laughs> but I know I'm like, I, I assumed that it was like that they were together. I mean, you know, at the beginning yeah. is what the energy felt like. I can, so just off, just as a reaction to that, I can see, I can see a pathway to constructing their relationship in a way that makes for good story conflict insofar as let's say, let's say you want, you okay, here's what I would do. Don't have the don't have the audience think that they've got some sort of relationship going on necessarily. Have their relationship be of a closeness because they are very close in age. Like by the facts of the, of the story, she was 16 when she had him, right? So they're very close in age. Yeah, he's supposed to be 16 in the movie and he's being played by a 19-year-old. Right. So – just by the virtue of the closeness in age, you don't have to do anything else. Just have them behaving like a typical mother-son relationship, but have outside characters feeling weird about it. Yeah. And so when the cops, let's say the cops come the first time because she calls them and she's saying, yeah, I was raped. The first thing they should do is turn to him and go, why'd you do that? 
You know what I mean? They should accuse him. That, at least glance at it or right, something. That yeah. creates good conflict because it's it's a false accusation, right? Like it's a bad accusation. Then you've got trouble because it for, it it further supports the sort of presumption pathway that the men in this movie are are sort of <laughs> like suffering from, and and it gives her more to be like you are not hearing me, and also fuck you for even thinking that that's maybe what happened. I feel like that level is what the filmmakers wanted, but they were too, they were like overly deliberate in trying as yeah. if they had to sort of that, sell that. That first interaction that they had, I'm like, oh, he's her boyfriend that's like the mechanic who lives in the back house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I know. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> so just like I, the failing of it to me is just the, the the lack of clarity on it. Yeah, there was apparently a shot that was deleted where it's just like she's just like gives a passing glance to his, his him, you know, kind yeah. of thing, his muscles or whatever. <laughs> like, no, dude, you don't need all that. Like, yeah, please stop. Yeah, come on, <laughs> just stop it. Uh, let's see. They what were else? pretty close in age, I guess. If he was, yeah. In reality, yeah. yeah. Or closer than, yeah. So, I, I think for me, the, the ending... <sighs> I don't know. It doesn't... It just doesn't rise to the level of, like, what I think it could. It, it feels kind of... It just falls flat to me. I, I don't know. I'm not even sure how to describe why that is. It, it kind of just whereas Poltergeist the the final set piece is just so elevated from the rest of the movie, and the rest of the movie is intense. So they really go above and beyond what they already have established. This this one just felt wonky to me. It felt ham fisted. I was like, okay, Snyderman's running in there like <laughs> you know Johnny Hero, and it's just. I just didn't like it. I just was like, blah. She's so not, she's so passive in the ending, right? She's just let, like, stuff's just happening around her. I hate that. Like, she, Joe Beth Williams screams, like, stay away from my babies. Like, that, mm, chef's kiss, right? Like, we get the whole movie right there. Because she's actionably saying, this I'm not going to let this happen, and I'm taking over and taking control, and I'm going to kick the shit out of you. This this is just too passive for me. Yeah, and it's like, and then it's I think it's hindered more by the even further by the just kind of lame effect. We the ice thing is oh. whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we did not mention uh, certain things. We did not mention in what worked. Now let's see if. Uh, they earn a place in what did not work. So n- <laughs> not necessarily for me. I don't know if it worked or didn't work as far as that effect of it being frozen. I was like, whatever. Just the just the actual effect. Like the the whatever you even call that. It's like a double per, like a it's a comp. They're comping it in, but they're comping it in before we could comp things in well. Right. Um so it's like a miniature ice block falling apart, but blown up on and overlaid onto the actual screen. It's like bleh. Um, well, since we didn't mention it yet, I want to know what you thought of the end, end, ending. <sighs> there, that's what you thought of it. This is my last thing, because it is the last thing in the movie. Yeah. I hate it. Like, I hate it. 
Yeah. So what is it if you uh, are viewers It's the fucking entity saying welcome home cunt. And it's just, I hate it. I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Uh, the effect was he's back and he's more of a dickhead like (laughs) i thought the effect was not it was not handled well like it it didn't reach that sort of the actual chilling level of like when you hear black philip talk in the witch you know (laughs) like that there's that well done i thought or when we hear the voice in um what was the more recent one the saint maud that voice I thought was good that comes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out her voice slowed down. But this, it just felt, I don't know, like hokey, the effect of it, and which is unfortunate for what is said in the content of it. And I, I, I liked the ending thematically as far as just her still living with it, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, they didn't beat it in the end. Sure. But as far as, yeah, just what it says and how it says it and just how that all plays out just felt like, I'm not quite working. It feels like it feels so cheap to me. It feels like they're just trying to be shocking. But can you imagine it? I I could imagine in a a better movie it being truly haunting. Like if it was building to that, you know? Just don't say cunt. Yeah. Did if not it was say that. look, don't even make it a scary voice. Yeah. Have it just be a man's voice saying, Welcome home, Carla. And we would be like, Oh God. Mm-hmm. Gross. Cause that's what, you know, insidious, like sketchy people like men do. They're just gross, right? Insidious. Like, Chapter four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, can you imagine if they did like a painted face like in the mirror or some bullshit? <laughs> Ugh. The Conjuring 3 is about to come out, Tim. I know. Well. Sh- should we review it? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> if people want to hear us hate on those movies, sure. <laughs> I think I I like The Conjuring I, the first two Conjuring movies I like more than I like the Insidious movies. By I watched a long shot. the Conjuring two in theaters and did not like it. And then I started watching the first Conjuring at home. I couldn't make it ten yeah. minutes in. Like that first long take that was supposed to be all impressive. I just thought it was not. I don't good. even remember. But I'll I, watch I, it again. I'm gonna. You know, I did I'll not use it as like an, the second one. I'll use them as an excuse if we review the third one. You know, I'm gonna watch the first. Sure. Two. Yeah, I will too. <laughs> I think the first one's ending has some pretty like, like good, ooh, like it, it like gets under your skin kind of moments, mm-hmm. like a couple of like chill moments that are pretty solid. The second one, I did, I just remember being like, I don't feel like I got a movie out of this. Something about it just never. I was like, okay, that's the end. All right, well, whatever. If anyway. listener, you want to hear us be our biggest asshole selves, then uh, yeah. we'll review it for you. I'm happy to be that. I've heard people talking about they're pumping it up like it's the scariest thing well, ever. That's why I went to see the second one, right? And I and I I look forward to watching it just to s- sort of see what they think they're talking about. Yeah, because I'm. I have a feeling I'm gonna just be like, no. <laughs> anyway, I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, don't get me wrong. 
Anyway, <laughs> good for uh, things of note um, on the entity. Anything else that did not work for you? Um, was there anything else? No, I think that's it. The music, yeah, the, that music, brutal, or the the sound effect, not the music itself. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that's it for me. All right, then here we go. Next section: things of note. Question for you, Tim. Where is the beach that they go to after that first attack? Attack, like, because this is all L.A. Dockweiler. That's where it has. Is it? They still have those white and red striped smokestacks. Pretty sure. Yeah. It's if I if I'm remembering right, it's. It, I'm pretty sure those smokestacks are are still there, sort of at the back end of LAX. Um, Dockweiler. So it may be the beach that's just down from Dockweiler. Because there's that whole, there's a whole, um, like, kind of, I guess it's like an oil refinery that's south of LAX. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's that line. It might be even further down toward Long Long Beach, because I, I get those two areas sort of mixed up. It, it's not somewhere I go very often, but I'm pretty sure that's where it is, yeah. I thought what it, else? Tell me, oh, I like this game. I thought it was, I'm not, I'm not quizzing you on any more locations. Ah, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> well, did it look like Culver City to you? Yeah. Yeah, for the most she part. She ends up at the Santa Monica Pier. That's true. That yeah. That was fun. Um, I thought it was interesting how this reminded, the new Invisible Man remake mm-hmm. reminded me, felt more like a remake of this than the original Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Sure. Just yeah, I can see that. All the parables about believing mm-hmm. women or not, all that. That was really interesting. Can you imagine at the end of The Entity... If a guy took off a like an invisibility suit, <laughs> yeah, uh, how, that would be a creative liberty. Can you imagine how? <laughs> I don't know if I would be like thrilled or really pissed off. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear a bit about the real case? I do. Yeah, it's something I wanted to kind of dive a little bit into. Well, I didn't do a deep, deep dive. I just watched a clip from the show Sightings. Mm. <laughs> which okay. uh, I think was a staple for a lot of uh, paranormal enthusiasts in the 90s, 80s, whenever it was out. But they interviewed, I guess, one of the main parapsychologist scientists on it. You know, it's later depicted in the film. But just uh, how he outlined the case and some interesting things was like what, what uh, sort of stumped them was the when they were trying to take a picture of it, basically they had an instance where they said, where she was like, okay, you know, there it is in that corner. They took two pictures of it and the pictures were completely awash. Like they were overexposed or just, yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as she said that it wasn't there anymore, they took two more pictures and the exposure was totally fine. So that was something that tripped them up Hmm. or raised an eyebrow for them. Uh, much like the film where uh, they said, oh, then it's, you know, psychosis to mass psychosis or whatever. They they explained how, you know, they were first poo-pooed about seeing anything odd or, or witnessing this sort of light phenomena that they saw. 
but then as soon as they're like, well, we have 20 eyewitnesses. You know, first they say, well, you need more than just you. You need eyewitnesses. Yeah. So he says, okay, great. Well, we have 20. Then instantly the response is, well, mass psychosis, mass hysteria. It drives me crazy. Um, so it's just playing that game. But that... Uh, not, not look, not to say that a gr- like group think and sort of group... Mm, Whatever that is. Yeah. yeah, like a group can kind of coalesce on a on a uh, conclusion for all sorts of reasons, you know, and I get that. But like a mass delusion. It makes it so like there's no way to prove anything ever. Right. Because then if it's just, oh, well, the more people that believe it, then it's just automatically the more people are wrong. Like, yeah. The, and it's so anti-scientific. Corroboration is corroboration, right? Like there's it's like to a point. Like, er, there is a point to that. Down to a legal sense, too. Yeah, and you, so then you're just saying, well, except for in this case, it's so dumb. <laughs> the uh, the light phenomena that he described is pretty cool, though. Mm. He said at first, you know, it was, they, they witnessed this bulbous light thing on the wall. And then he was like, well, you know, in order to rule out that that's someone in the room with a flashlight or something like that. He talked to it and said, can you prove you're something more than just a wow. light? You know, and when he said that, it left the wall and moved to the center of the room, like a floating. See, why isn't that thing. in this movie? That <laughs> right. sounds awesome. And then he said, and then it all, it gave this like, you know, light show display where it started bending and undulating and all this stuff. Uh, and that was the one that had all these witnesses. It sounded cool. like. And then, uh, Another photo that uh, famous photo that came from this was where he uh, took a picture of her and what looks just sort of like a camera effect or like a light on the wall where it's just it's it's almost like that's the picture I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's what's so cool about it is it, it looks like it would just be a light on the wall, but you see that it's. Uh, it's actually out in the space because the there's the it's over the corner of the room and it doesn't bend with the wall. So it is right, like it right. photographed some kind of uh, like top half of a halo or something right. like that. So theoretically, from a lens sort of point of view, the only alternative, well, maybe not the only alternative, but an alternative is that it is an actual l- refraction within the glass of the lens. But even then... It's funny, you never really see that, though, unless it's, like, someone trying to photograph a ghost. (laughs) It's a funny thing about that. Uh, So that's some about the case. Did you have anything more on the case? Uh, No, no, nothing specific. I mean, there's just, like, there's little differences, obviously. She had four kids in reality. Um, They... I do like that this interaction between her and the parapsychologist was a a real thing that happened. She, (laughs) um, sort of, uh, she met the two parapsychologists after a friend of hers heard a conversation between the parapsychologists in a bookstore at UCLA Mm. and was like, excuse me, My friend's been having some weird experiences. Can you, like, maybe, like, you guys might want to check it out. So I think that's fun. Like, they kind of did a version of that in the movie. Um, And also just random. Like, that's how you got got in touch with these dudes. Yeah. Um, 
other than that, no, I, I just think it's, <laughs> I, I didn't really know that this was a term, but of course it is a term. Like, why wouldn't it be uh, pe- spectrophilia, which is, <laughs> which is specifically defined as a sexual attraction to ghosts or sexual arousal from images in mirrors, as well as the alleged phenomenon of sexual encounters between ghosts and humans and it's considered a fetish but not entirely it's it can be classified as a fetish so there are people out there who are like i feel like i've seen this too like an interview with somebody who's like yeah my boyfriend's a ghost and i find that all fascinating and kind of hilarious and also you could get the appeal yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you know Real people sometimes suck. Right. It's like rather than uh, the the ghost being a horrible rapist, what if it's consensual? Yeah. What if what if the ghost is just really nice to you? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> cool. Uh, I did uh, watch through the commentary. There's a lot of special features on the disc too, courtesy Shout Factory. Some stuff from um, Barbara Hershey's quotes from her in her, her interview things she said she did say she you know gave her props to the director Sidney J Fury that uh she loved working with him she's sure her performance is 200% better than it would have been otherwise he helped her uh plug in so whatever reality did work for us and come through she um said he helped her get there nice the uh already said yeah she didn't think of it as a horror film you always hear that she was Fascinated by both is the question, is she so insane that she made it happen? But if it didn't happen, what was it? You know, that was just her. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see that in her character. She described the psychiatrist, the doctors in the film, as uh, there uh, had a lack of openness and an arrogance to them, which is more or less <laughs> how you're we trying to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She thought the ending felt contrived because it was the experiment she she described it as this was kind of interesting that was the experiment that they wanted to do in real life but didn't actually interesting okay yeah so the fact that it didn't actually happen hurt it for her Hmm. the there was the interview with the guy sorry i don't have uh or what's his name here the guy who played the son i'm guessing he was billy is that moran Yeah, yeah yeah david lebiosa um he he played it where he never, and I thought this was a smart decision. He pointed out, he played it where he never outright didn't believe her. You know, he was always, and I think that was, that was important for those early scenes when she says, someone's in the house, someone's in the house, that he takes her seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, that helped set up where it goes with him. Uh, yeah, he acknowledged in this interview, there is like, um, he wasn't saying in real life, but he was saying with the characters, there was some like sexual energy between them. Uh, and like, you know, that's something that's, he gets asked about the, uh, the electricity effect when it goes through him. So that was real. That's not an effect. Would they use a Vander, uh, Vanderval generator or something? Whatever like it's called. Yeah. The thing that like, yeah, makes electricity shoot then you you can be a conductor to it is that what they're called Vanderval? i, I think that's know. right vander um yeah. so he said uh 
he had a friend who got him all wigged out about that it wasn't safe and was going to give him leukemia, which was not true. But the filmmakers then offered him more money and he still refused. So they had to use a stunt guy for when it actually, the electricity was going through him. So he did his own close-ups then, you know, to sell the effect. But then like twist of fate, irony got him in the end because of his refusal to do to, to do the whole, to to do the the wide shots as well, and needing a stunt guy. Hmm. Something about him doing his own close ups played out where, when he fell back, he actually broke his wrist, <laughs> which is you see in the movie is like that's that happens in the movie, and then it now you know from the from the the lightning, whatever it is in the story of the film, but then it actually happened in real life where he got hurt from falling backwards. Wow. So it was, he was really bummed about that because they ended, which I didn't quite get because if he was injured in the movie, anyway, because of his real life injury, they wrote him more out of the movie. Like he had a lot more scenes. Hmm. This is unfortunate, which I thought would have been nice if, you know, like you were saying more presence of characters interacting. He uh, was going to be in it more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, conflict is good. It's called a Van de Graaff generator, not Van der Waal. Got it, cool. I have a funny story about Van de Graaff generators, if you ever want to hear it. Do we want to hear it now? Sure. In physics class in 1990, oh, I don't know, eight probably, uh, we, you know, the, the physics teacher brings in a Van de Graaff generator. You know, it's the metal ball on yeah. like a post. And you hold a wand across from it when you turn it on and you know sparks jump across it's cool turn the lights out my stupid idiot head (laughs) decided that i was gonna try and charge up because like previous to her wheeling this thing out we had been experimenting with different wands of material so like a glass wand and a plastic wand and a metal wand and a wood wand and then using different other types of like fabrics, wool, cowhide, cotton, whatever, to to like build a charge up and then like see if you could get a spark just between the two wands. But I was still holding the glass wand. I think it was glass. Maybe it was plastic. I don't remember. But I'm still holding it when she wheels this Van de Graaff generator out. And I had a piece of wool. And, like, I'm standing behind a few kids, and I started, like, charging up the wand with the wool. I'm like, I'm going to build up a big, you know, static charge in this, and then I'm going to get a huge spark to jump from the Van de Graaff to my wand. Except what I didn't realize is that that wand is not insulated by anything. I'm just holding it in my hand. <laughs> and I reach, I was, no joke, I was, like, three feet away from the thing. And I held that the <laughs> wand up like from behind a kid and a spark jumped and it was like full voltage into my arm. And I <laughs> I flung that wand like into the – you know how the old school ceilings are that like paneled like cork board? I like – I've like broke one of the panels. <laughs> I threw it so hard and it's like clanging on the ground and I like hit the ground. And she <laughs> she was so mad at me. <laughs> Like everybody scattered because it boomed too. It was. It wasn't just a spark. It was like, <laughs> it was. Oh man, Damn. I've been electrocuted so many times in my life, dude. I'm like such an idiot when it comes to that stuff. Anyway, high school baby, yeah. <laughs> Funny.
Um, word of caution, yeah. Yeah, word of caution for uh, all you kids listening. Did Barbara Hershey, does she remind you of Sigourney Weaver at all? Oh, yeah. I, I just yeah, had maybe that a little thought. bit. Sure. She got kind of the same energy. Yeah. Uh, this director of this film, Sidney J. Fury, went on to direct, I was just seeing whatever films of his I recognize, the Rodney Danger film, Rodney Dangerfield film, Ladybugs. <laughs> okay. You remember yeah, I that? I remember it. And then one you might know, Tim, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Boy, do I. So what is... What's the reputation that film has? That it is god-awful. Great. Well, in an interview with him, apparently, when someone was, you know, just going, the the a big fan of this filmmaker was on this DVD a lot. And he said, uh, when it came to going through his whole filmography and they got to Superman 4, uh, the director of this film, Sydney, was like, you got five minutes. That's all he wanted to talk about this film, <laughs> Superman for. I mean, like, just uh, panned across the board. Yeah. It was a bad, there was a lot, like, working against it. So now for your favorite aspect of this film, Tim, mm. Charles Bernstein, the composer. Okay. <laughs> I did like him. It was just unfortunate where, again, like, yeah, it was the overuse of it that I thought killed it. I will not say not him or the music itself. I liked he described, I just like the way he talked, where he described his composing and like music. He thought of music as floating in a continuum uh, where it's like in its own okay. continuum. And he's like, that's how he pictures it, where he writes it down from. He said he doesn't read the script. He only likes to watch the film and be inspired by, you know, whatever okay. he's seen. That's interesting. I liked uh, what he said here, how, you know, a lot of times people first think that composing is you're composing to what's on screen and being inspired by just like telling the story of what you see. Right. So no, it's all about what is her inner music? What is the scene's inner music? What is the character's That's inner cool. music? I like that. Yeah. I thought that was a good way to approach it. Except for the... It's accurate, I think, but <laughs> I it was just unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh, great. And then, so we then, I had here the composer, or sorry, no, I, that was the composer, the editor of the film, Tim, Frank J. Uriosti. Mm-hmm. There are some weird things that happened, some sketch things that happened during the post-production. Of Hell this yeah. Film. So... <laughs> The first day of dailies, he said, was when the first terrifying instance happened. He said during the dailies in the screening room, the little theater, they heard a tearing sound. What the hell is that? Like when Sixto entered in (laughs) earlier? Not a creak. Yeah. A tearing. (laughs) He says, stop the film. And they go and look at the curtain. And they see it has like three feet of tear into it. Like they hear the sound of the curtain tearing. Like, like, like the curtains of the room? Of the theater, you oh. know, of the screen. Oh. Like, you know, it's a screening okay. room. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so then when they start it up again, they hear the tearing again. And then they turn the lights on and see that the curtain has been teared all the way to the floor. And that's just when they, uh, oh, Lord. they bug out of there. Then the next mm-hmm. thing that happened, uh, the. It was, he said, uh, the the editor, he was going to go meet the producer. He told the assistants to stay behind in the cutting room. He says, he'll be back. Don't leave. So he gets, when he gets back, uh, they're gone. He's like, well, what the hell happened? I told you guys to stay here. Uh, They reported back to him that they left 
because when they they left and came back to the assistants, and when they came back in that time, the benches and the walls in the cutting room were completely covered with flies. Ew. They said, yeah, like, uh, very, uh, what's the style? Amityville Amityville, horror. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But they said covered. Like, you couldn't, you know, there's this, you couldn't see anything underneath them. Gross. (laughs) And so then, lastly, there is, uh, the editing room was next to the payroll office where they stored the film in, like, an old vault, or it was an old payroll office, so there's a vault inside of it and that they were using to store the film in. And they said there was an instance where this heavy vault door slammed shut completely by itself. Did you know I came home to my apartment one night and it was completely filled with flies? Like within a few hours. Filled like hundreds of flies. And I spent like three hours killing flies. I think you told me because you were having a fly problem. They were like coming out of the garbage disposal or something. Oh no, those were those were fruit flies. That was because my roommate was extremely um messy. These were house flies, like black house flies, you know, the basic standard fly. And they were everywhere. And I had just been there and there were none. Dude. And we I went on a walk with my friend. So maybe we were gone for, oh, I don't know, hour and a half, maybe two hours. And when we walked in the door, we were hit with just flies everywhere. We're like, what? So I looked it up as best I could. It, it The suggestion is, is that somewhere within like my maybe my vents or something that like an animal had died and that you know flies had nest or like laid eggs when they consumed the body and then that was a hatching yeah of all of those flies but they were like full size so i don't get it man they I don't only get it. burst out the after I, aging i guess which Dude, is horrifying was, to think of this like this like oh! animal corpse that's getting filled with flies. Also, where is that corpse? <laughs> I don't know. Tim. Like, what is going on? <gasps> it was really upsetting. Why your apartment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, why me? Did you see any kind of like were they centralized by a vent or anything? We like- thought maybe it was the vent over the kitchen, which is even more disturbing. You know, it's just gross. Your food area, yeah. Seriously, it was. It sucked. Well. Last thing I had, always got a shout out when there's a fun uh, musical pop culture reference in these films that we watch. (laughs) The Sun at the Beginning, he's rocking out to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John. Hell yeah. Yeah. What more could you ask for? Exactly. (laughs) Great. Well, with that, I'm going to put a bow on the entity if you are. Uh, yeah. Then okay. let's <laughs> see uh, what recommendations we have to wind up. I'm looking right now to see if I've recommended this uh, before. I don't think I have. Um, so I'm going to do it any, uh, even if I have because who cares? We're into the mid hundreds of episodes. So whatever. Uh, it's called The Bay. Have you heard of this? The I think so. Bay. Is it the found footage movie by What's His Face? Um. Well, it's by Barry Levinson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I hated it. Did you hate it? I was fascinated by it. The I remember there being really bad effects. Uh yeah, yeah I guess they're not they're not great, but the I think the idea over 
rides that for me. Okay. But I don't want to tell you what the idea is because then it gives away the, the whole movie. But I really liked it. So I think if you are into, let's say, if you want to feel sque- like squeamish in your seat, I think this movie will do it for you. Okay. <laughs> Tim, t- Tim will say that one. Yep. I will not second that one. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> From my memory, it was a while ago. Great. I will recommend Dead. Nay, a film, but a segment on 60 Minutes. Mm. Uh, You've been busy, Tim, but you got to catch up if you haven't watched this. It's called, on YouTube, you can find it. It's called Navy Pilots Describe Encounters with UFOs. (laughs) Posted on their YouTube channel with 1.13 million subscribers on May 16th of this year. Tim, this was the coolest thing watching. There have been a couple other like CNN follow-ups. Basically, mm-hmm. seeing for the first time in our life what I've always kind of fantasized about seeing or what we've seen depicted in movies time and time again is like the most mainstream you can get news reports saying, you know, having to speak about mm-hmm. UFOs and the government acknowledging UFOs for the first time ever. Sure, just to clarify... That doesn't mean they're acknowledging aliens. That's so frustrating that you can't say it without people thinking that that's what you mean. No, I never said aliens. I, no, I know. That I'm, I'm putting that out there because I keep, I keep seeing people talking about it. They're like, see, finally, confirmation, aliens exist. And I'm like, no, something exists that we don't understand or know what it is. That's where we're at. That's huge. And that's huge in and of itself. And just it's, let it be that. I'm proud of our whoever's giving in. You know, it's basically just the increasing media coming out. of There was a big yeah. New York Times, so it was kind of building onto itself. But so proud of whoever for... it's. I feel like it's such an ailment in our society to be afraid of like not knowing something. And just, you know, that that affects how well you appear to say, like, I don't know in something. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's one of the worst, like, traits we have, right. I think, as a world nation, whatever, as a singular <laughs> psychological entity. Uh, so just to, to have something that they so forthright are saying, we don't know what this is. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, we cannot explain the way these things move. It's a mystery, which to me is, re- that's what's exciting. Yeah. Is that. Now that it's getting more attention, maybe there will be more sort of emphasis on trying to figure out what it is rather than assuming it's, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Right? Like, because there are all sorts of possibilities. It, right. It Which could they be, get into. Yeah, it could be interdimensional. It could be spycraft from other nations. We don't know. Like, it could be all sorts of stuff. It could be just something that we couldn't even fathom i'm telling you it was just i have to recommend edit because i thought it was so significant and so cool to see like the uh, mainstream outlets like having to talk about it for the first time so that's cool please poke around yeah i haven't actually watched i've seen very very tiny clips in in the like few extra minutes here and there right with all that not in the 60 minutes (laughs) (laughs) check it out the 60 minutes one is fun but uh, with all that is easy to get down about in our world too, to have something that just feels like a scientific unknown, you know, that's not so easy. Like let's say, you know, moon and Mars exploration where people, it's hard for people to get excited about that nowadays mm-hmm. because of the money it costs. 
to have simply something that's just an observable thing happening to sort of, I don't know, just maybe get our sense of wonder back with the world, yeah. I think is cool. Look, there are, there's more uh, square mileage, I guess, if you will, on, on the planet that has not been explored. Beautiful. Like just all of the oceans, like the deep oceans, we have no idea what's down. Well, I mean, not no idea, but like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fathoms down there, many fathoms below, and we don't, you know, it, there could be a whole civilization just chilling down there. Yeah, we don't know. And it's just fascinating too to see. So, what are people's reactions to now this is reaching a certain mm-hmm. mainstream? Because I feel like there's the people in the camp who are just kind of like none of it is there's nothing to it it's literally always the weather balloon or group psychosis or you know whatever those whatever the explanations are that they kind of you know always sewn into the zeitgeist uh and then you have the other camp which is kind of people who aren't surprised they're just kind of like yeah i mean haven't we known about this stuff for (laughs) a a while and so so to those people that are like what's the big deal i'd say it's the, the fact that it's being talked about this level of these kinds of news shows right. is the huge deal. And then it's so funny, the other camp where it's just like, they're still just kind of like, it sounds like they would only seeing something in person themselves. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who or what it's come from. Or I don't know, or maybe it's going to slowly trickle into their acceptance or, or something. I don't know, but it's been really fascinating just to see yeah. how people react. And it seems like there's two distinct camps indeed still. <laughs> yeah, at least two. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Well, uh, cool, dude. Do you have our stand-in hat handy here? Uh, uh, I do, but wait a minute. Here we go. It is right. I believe it's there my it turn to tell you when to stop or or I could do it on my end. I don't know. Yeah, here. I got to back out a little bit. Doop, 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 doop. That's probably good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna blindly just sort of hover, so you and stop. <laughs> a recommend uh, a recommendation. <laughs> yeah, submitted by. The one and only Brendan Welsh. Splice. Splice. All right. So we're back into the 2000s. Yes, we ended our streak of, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 pre-2000 films. That won't happen again. I know. (laughs) I mean, who knows? But that's a big, uh, big run. Great. Splice, I have not seen since I saw it. They always showed the, 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 the man's Chinese theater down on Hollywood Boulevard, that big screen uh-huh. the, that they now converted into like the fake IMAX screen uh-huh. or whatever. Yep. They used to show the most like oddball selections there. Really? They used to never show like the big blockbusters or whatever. I saw Splice there. <laughs> I saw Observe and Report there. We okay. see like funky movies there. Anyway, that's when I saw that's Splice. Cool. Was I in saw Harry there. Potter there. I don't well, remember which one. They play the big ones too, yeah. But anyway, that's I cool. I, I can't remember if I've actually seen Splice. Cool. I maybe. I think it. It just. I remember being really interesting. I remember the poster. Yeah, for sure. I think I've seen it, but it's been a while. <laughs> we'll see what your letterbox says. 
Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good call. I, pro- I probably have seen it. Great. Well, until then, next week, you can find us wherever you found us. Uh, our big ask is if you enjoyed being here, which we hope you did if you made it this far, is to tell a friend who might enjoy being here too. But all the same, if not, that's okay. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Well, in closing, uh, we hope you aren't experiencing any entities. Uh, but if you are, we hope they're on the benevolent side. So thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> 